Hello everyone, welcome to Mouth Off. This is the official podcast of heyyouguys.co.uk. My name is John Lyson. Joining me on the show today we have one of our wonderful Hey You Guys writers, Andy Petru. And also we are joined, as usual, by the lovely Brendan Connolly of SlashFilm.com. What we're going to look at this week, we've got two films that are coming out here in the UK. Um, one is Hot Tub Time Machine, the John Cusack film, and then we also have The Blind Side, which was Sandra Bullock's great hurrah at the Oscars. Um, we're then going to take a look at a few bits of film news, including the trailer for Scott Pilgrim, which was released yesterday, um, to wild, wild acclaim. And we'll also be having a, a bit of a think about the Cannes Film Festival, which is coming up pretty soon. Then we're going to carry on with our wonderful pick out ye oldie film that we all love and yet no one else may have seen, which I still haven't found a decent title for so um, if you have a title for that section please do uh, email us in with it um, email is mouthoff at heyyouguys.co.uk do a bit of our work for us that would be really really appreciated okay so we're going to go straight into it now uh, Hot Tub Time Machine is a film that kind of came out of nowhere for me the first thing I heard was the title of it which didn't seem to suggest a particularly unambiguous film um, I didn't have much high hopes for it as well. And then early buzz started to come out saying it was this year's The Hangover, which seems to be the, uh, seems to be the phrase that people are chucking around with abandon. Um, if you've seen the trailer, then you'll know that it involves four guys who are all in their early 40s, I believe. They've got jobs and they've got relationships and whatever. They all get into some sort of hot tub and it takes them back to the 80s. Now, there's a great shot in the trailer where you have John Cusack and the other three guys and they're looking in the mirror and seeing their younger selves. It's very quantum leap, um, but, but quite fun. I still didn't know anything more about it. Didn't know if it would be good. Didn't know if it would be particularly bad. And I still don't know because I am yet to see the film. However, luckily, both Andy and Brendan have seen it. So... Let's start with you, Andy. What did you know about this film before you went into it? Um, well, pretty much the premise that you just uh, you just gave us, but I think ultimately it was the fact that John Cusack was in it, so that was enough of a selling point for me. Yeah, you're a big Cusack fan, aren't you? Love we, him! We had a huge conversation on Twitter about 2012, which I managed to see on Blu-ray this week, and it was ridiculous, but quite fun. And I thought John Cusack you know, did okay in it, but um, he's not ever been a main seller for me i know he has a huge 80s back catalogue which i've barely barely tapped into so um how does he perform in this one is he uh, is he a good presence yeah he is i mean it's it's a really it's a really really fun role for him, him but it's by no means his best because it's not a very meaty role but he's really funny he's really sharp he's, he's to me he's his usual self you know he's just always like performs brilliantly in anything that he does but again it's not for me my most favorite John Cusack role but it's still great okay Brendan what did you know about this film going into it I knew that it was produced by Cusack's new crime productions I knew that his uh former school buddy Steve Pink was directing it I knew that Rob Corddry apparently was gonna steal it out from underneath Cusack's nose which to which I would I would say <laughs> a fat chance even though <laughs> he actually did um, and I knew who a lot of the supporting cast were. And I'd seen the trailer, so I knew that 
that they work the, the title into the dialogue. And that's always a, a quite an uncomfortable moment. <laughs> in fact, Penn Gillette of Penn and Teller used to have a, a group of people and they used to go to, to cinemas together. Um, um, they had like various little rituals, really, they performed. And they used to actually applaud when, <laughs> whenever the dialogue uh, contained the title of the film. But this is very, very self-aware in the way that it works in the... Uh, in the it, ridiculously self-aware in the way that it works in the title. Okay. So that's what I do before I went. Okay, and um, some of the supporting cast that you talked about, I mean, there's uh, a few names that I'm reading off IMDb here. There's um, Lizzie Kaplan, who uh, I believe she was in True Blood and in Cloverfield as well. She pops up. Chevy Chase and Crispin Glover, two names there that... Um, that doesn't say what how, how big their roles are. Um but two sort of 80s throwbacks in, in some sense. Andy, um, how was the cast for you? Not just Cusack, but also the rest of them. Did they did they sort of gel together? Oh, absolutely perfect chemistry, I thought. Um, I think for me, Rob... Is it Rob Corddry? Yeah, who plays Lou. He, um, he stole the show after John Cusack, of course. Um, and Chevy Chase is just um, a darling to see on screen again. He's just kind of offbeat. I mean, you'll find out when you see it. I don't want to really ruin his role too much, but... Just seeing him in a film with John Cusack is kind of really amazing. And Crispin Glover as well, especially because for me, I mean, other than I think I saw him in a film recently, or maybe I have this wrong, but I think he was in Simon Says, which is actually a really terrible kind of horror. However, that was the last film I saw him in. And prior to that, I think it was, um, was it one of the uh, Charlie's Angels films? Yes, Um, I believe it was. Either or. Either or both. Was it both? Oh, I only saw one. And then Back to the Future, so I haven't really kind of followed him too closely, but he was phenomenal also. So it was really, really nice to see him in something a little bit, you know, a little bit different and yet kind of familiar at the same time. It was mixed mixed for me, but brilliant. Love the cast. He was in Alice in Wonderland as well as the um, as the Knave of Hearts, I think. But it was only his head that was real in Alice in Wonderland. The rest of it was... That's like, not true. Uh, the the, the rest of it was his body, but it was all fiddly diddled with. It was fiddly diddled in a big major way that made me think that, you know, it was like someone walking on stilts with their spine broken. It was... It, the, 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 the That's CGI. actually how they did it. They broke his spine and they put him on stilts. <laughs> well, he's dedicated to the cause, I have to say. It's it's really strange, but at the, at the Alice uh, press conference, when, when he was there along with the rest of them uh, everyone else Johnny Depp and, and Tim Burton and Helen Bonham Carter they had they were having a whale of a time they were really really taking the mickey but when Crispin Glover was asked it he took it very seriously his his tone dropped and he was very very intense and you know I guess that's um, what like, Crispin Glover director intense. of what is it um, he's one of the most intense actors in the history of cinema. His, his, I mean, if you watch his films, uh, what is it? And I think the sequel's going to be called Who Am I? Um, and you see maybe the music video he made to uh, support his version of Ben. You know the old Michael Jackson song, Ben? Yes. He did a cover version of that and made a music video for it. You'll see that, that, that Glover's very, very interested in being countercultural, I think, really, and moving directly against the grain and trying to challenge the hegemony. I think he's quite committed to being so far out in left field, you'd have to hit like a massive homer for the ball to go anywhere near him. Okay, but how does that, that, how does that work out with his roles in Alice? And, in, and I haven't seen this, so how does it work out with his role in this? Well, he's, he's in this film as a... As a uh, an allusion to the Back to the Future films, uh, and he continues p- playing in, in in his typical style. I mean, I'm sure he in, in, enjoys uh, the paycheck as much as he does the work. In the case of some of these films, okay. So, hot tub time machine. Then 
does it work as a story? Because a lot, you know, a, a lot of comedies tend to have that that point where they where they where the joke runs out and it's just a, a, a mad dash to type all the all the loose ends. That, did it actually hold together quite well as as a film first and and as a comedy? Andy, what do you think? Um, well, for me, the jokes didn't get boring at any point. They were. Um... I mean, it's quite quite interesting because when when Bre- Brendan and I happened to be sitting next to each other, coincidentally at the that cinema, that was no accident. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, and funnily enough, whilst we kind of laughed at various moments, we were also um, in the presence of a of a row of people behind us who seemed to laugh systematically through points of the film, which I didn't personally think were that hilarious. So for me, it was literally laugh out loud a minute like jokes but for different people it was funny all the way through it just depends on what your sense of humor is for me it was particularly crude i quite like that some people might find that kind of stupid i think i actually read online that john cusack had tried to tone the crudeness down but the studios pushed it forward and said no this is what's going to sell it so i guess again it depends but comedy wise it worked for me definitely it was very funny all the way through Again, depending on your sense of humour. So, Brendan, tell me about your sense of humour. I haven't got one, John. So did the um, film work for you then? It it brung the lols. Let's be honest. Um, I I think that there was a, a bit more to it than the the crudeness. I think I laughed at some very interesting and, and sort of subtly <laughs> off kilter character bits. Um, I enjoyed the way that it sort of twisted and contorted little cliched moments before my eyes. And I liked it when it dared be a little more political. I mean, it's very much an anti-80s film in a lot of ways. I mean, that was the, the Reagan era and, 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 and clearly a very bad time for people like Mr. Cusack and, and those with similar political sentiments. So there is some, there is some satire cooking underneath all of the uh, let's do some drugs and get some hookers stuff. Okay, and this is, uh, it looks to be a very successful, I believe it's, an, it's, it's what's known as an R-rated comedy uh, in, in the States, and I think it's doing really, really good business. Do you think it's going to do similar business here, and do you think that this sort of signals um, kind of a bright future for, for the more adult-rated comedies? R-rated. 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 Um, I think it's, uh, I mean, you know, people talked about the success of The Hangover as being being anomalous. And uh, before that, people talked about the success of 300 as being anomalous. And they were both considered to be on a bit of a hiding to nothing because they were R-rated. I'm not sure that this really holds water, that argument. But all the same, it will hurt and it will slow down the film's appeal in the UK more in the US. Because in the US, I could take a four-year-old child into an R-rated film if I wanted to. And plenty of people do. Um... I think it's going to work better in the States than in the UK because it's more about America. Mm. It's, it's something, it's filtered through media for us. You know, it's, it's about a certain sort of anti-nostalgia and a certain sort of uh, change in the political landscape that doesn't quite apply here. A lot of the human themes uh, apply completely and are very relatable, but there's just that one remove for, for some, some of the levels in the film. So, I don't think it's. I don't think it really hits the UK zeitgeist as squarely as it would the US one. But I do hope people go and see it. And comparing it to the to the Hangover, I mean, I'd rather eat a plant pot full of hoof rather than watch the Hangover again. And I'm. I can't wait to see uh, Hot Tub Time Machine one more time. Okay, Andy, what about you? Just give us your last thoughts. Yeah, same here. I I don't think it will um, dominate the UK. Uh, 
market for very long. If if it does, it won't be for long. But I think it will definitely pull to our generation, sort of thirty somethings, forty somethings. But I think um, yeah, maybe students as well. If they if they market it well, perhaps the sort of the younger lot will will really grab on, grab a hold of it. But it's not out till till May, so that's really the start of summer. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe it'll do well, but. I like Brendan. I cannot wait to see it again. I can't wait to buy it on DVD because there was so much to it that I think upon second viewing, you're kind of going to. There's so there's so many references. There's so many, um, you know, kickbacks to to eighties culture that you kind of trying to take it all in amongst the jokes, amongst the the constant change in the sort of adventure that that unfolds. That you just kind of want to watch it again to digest it all again, if you know what I mean. So. I, I'm really excited to see it again. It's brilliant. I was just going to say quickly, if you watch the trailers online, you will see a few scenes that aren't in the film. Um, and indeed, if, if you read some of the interviews with uh, Steve Pink doing the rounds, there's quite a lot of deleted material. So that's one reason to look forward to the to the DVD. I don't think they're going to reintegrate these scenes. I think they're just going to sit there as uh, standalone sort of like extras. But um, I'm very interested to see what's gone and why. And I have to say, there's a scene in front of a Pac-Man machine in the trailer, which is uh, just brilliant and obviously didn't work so well in context because it's it's not in the film so watch out for that on dvd one of the things that you that i've been thinking about while you've both been talking about it um is the fact that uh nostalgia seems to play a huge part in it and you've got people like us who remember the 80s and and we'll probably get quite a lot out of it do you think that, that the fact is that there'll be a lot of kids who a weren't born in the 80s and b don't remember anything of it um do you think that they'll have a hard time with it andy no, I don't think so. I think that the the trailer alone, if you watch it, even though there's the 80s reference, I think the same, not to um, say this is exactly the same kind of comedy, but the way you have like Road Trip and American Pie, that kind of humour, similar sort of like fun frat kind of young student-y kind of mindset, I think it's it's kind of, it, ta- it, it will appeal to them for the same reasons. If they If they just go by the trailer, I shouldn't think it would in any way be off-putting, so they would definitely take to it, especially in the States. Okay, I mean, it's interesting because we were talking, and uh, if you haven't if you haven't heard the um, the two podcast specials that we did on Nostalgia, I did one with Brendan, and did one with Andy and, and uh, former child star Keith Coogan. You can find both of those on the site. Um, and we, obviously, you know, we, we, we kicked around the notion of Nostalgia quite a lot. And we loved Back to the Future, um, and we had never lived in the 50s. We had never seen anything. And it wasn't necessarily about the 50s for us. It was more about, um, you know, the adventure and the story. So not that I'm thinking Hot Tub Time Machine is going to be even close to, um, you know, uh, as, as good a film as Back to the Future. But, you know, potentially that, that, that that's an argument against. Okay, There's uh, one particularly interesting comparison between the two films. Go for it. One of the big criticisms that Back to the Future has received is that Martin McFly gets up on stage and plays Johnny Be Good and it is revisionist history that takes uh, an important part of black pop culture and puts it in the hand of a white person. Yeah. And they quite pointedly do the, do, do the, the quote, right thing in Hot Top Time Machine and re-envision a very similar moment in which um, a piece of music from... Uh, one might argue uh, a black musical genre. Some people would say uh, a sort of one without any particularly uh, specific racial makeup, or, or of a group, uh, definitely from by a band who've got uh, you know mixed ethnicity. I don't want to give away what the song is, but um, that song's put in the hands of uh, a black character. Okay. So I think they're quite deliberately tackling that that thing in Back to the Future and making a reference to it for people. Um, 
Michel Gondry wanted to do the same thing in Be Kind Rewind, and he was going to have Back to the Future remade, sweeted by the characters, and most definitely was going to play Barty McFly, and he was very interested in doing that. But the reason they wouldn't let him do it um, is that they said there's a, a Back to the Future musical in the works for Broadway. Oh, a little bit of truth there. Okay, that's interesting. Well, and that has yet to materialise, so... Um, so that's, that's something to look forward to if you're a Back to the Futures fan, I'm sure. Okay, that's it for Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, Andy, as, as Andy said, it's out in May sometime. Um, find out on the site exactly when it's going to be released. But we May the 7th. Yeah, Thank May. you, Brandon. May the 7th. Okay, that's fantastic. So um, not that long to wait for that. Um, the next one we're going to be talking about is one that was out in America ages ago, months and months ago. In fact, you'll know already that the main central performance within it has already bagged the, uh, the actress, an Oscar. Um, this is Sandra Bullock in a film called The Blind Side. Now, Brendan, you haven't seen this, am I right? No, I've not seen it, John. Okay, well, in that case, I want you to be the one to uh, to ask Andy uh, and I questions, because Andy saw it recently. I saw it about um, two or three months back. It basically tells the uh, retells the true story of, um, of a southern uh, family uh, in southern America, and they are very wealthy, very well-to-do, and they stumble across a homeless um, uh, black guy um, called Michael O'Hare, and he's this uh, enormous guy, and they basically take him into their home, and... Uh, take him to school and educate him and uh, have to try and convince a lot of people that he's a, he's a sort of a, um, a worthy person and uh, that's pretty much it and there's American football involved in there somewhere, I'm not selling it well but pretty much you know all about it anyway um, Andy, you saw this quite recently, what did you think of the film as a whole and of Sandra Bullock in the lead performance? Well, um, I absolutely loved it, it's probably in my top three sports movies of all time, absolutely, she deserved the Oscar, I I can honestly say I didn't see all the films that were nominated for Best Actress category, so I feel a little bit biased in, in saying, yeah, she deserved it. But, I mean, just if if I were to compare that role to her other films, she absolutely 100% nailed it. So the film is really moving. It's not just a typical sports film where they usually sort of feel good. There's a lot more to it. It's it's a lot more intelligent than that. It's got It's got, you know balls basically and they use them so I, I really think if you haven't seen blindside you have to check it out it's just it, it, especially people who like sports films i mean you i can't see how anyone w- wouldn't enjoy it but for me it's much it's it's not necessarily the the sports aspect as the as the family dynamic and i have to say i wasn't as impressed with it as uh, as you were andy i thought it was um fairly competent film um i thought sandra bullock did her you know did her role very well but it wasn't particularly surprising she was very sassy which we've seen before um but there was nothing really within the film that that had an awful lot ironically of of truth it seemed very um very put on and i don't think that that's you know that that's a particularly bad thing i think they they were going all out as this this was meant to be quite a showy film um but for me uh, it was very very easy to sort of work out where it was going and also to work out any any major twist within it don't get me wrong i did engage with it quite well um but i did feel that that towards the end when they show the the pictures of the of, of the real people i thought well i'd rather have seen a, a documentary about it because you know they all seem you know fairly um you know outgoing people so you know potentially they, that that could have been a, another way to tell this story but um brendan have you have you got any plans to say this do you well, I'll watch it. I mean, I've got to say the trailer looked terrible to oh. me. Um, and I, 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 
it seems it seems sentimental, and I mean that in the sense of an unearned emotion. Um, and though, of course, you know that seems like a callous thing to say about a film based on a true story. I'm not saying that I I have no no heart about about the events. I'm just saying that they seem to be packaged as a as a kind of a hallmark card sort of presentation here. Um, I, I'm interested though. I mean, you seem to be disagreeing about whether it is indeed a what did Andy call it a spooks movie? If it is indeed a spooks oh, movie or not? Yeah, I think it, I think it is a sports movie. How can it not be? Um, it is. Well, the, for me, it's about this guy uh, coming into this family and all of the the relationships in terms of you know in terms of race, in terms of class, in terms of uh, you know future and and the, the potential of people. And yes, the the sports is the kind of backbone of of the story. But um, the, it's it's the bit at the end where you have him choosing the team to go for. And if it was if for me, if it was a sports movie, then that would have been the moment where. You know, you'd hear um, you know, a swell in the soundtrack, and then you know, and then you know that'll be it. That that's not for me. That's that's not the main emotion. Does it matter if he's choosing a team? Would it would it essentially have been the same story if he was choosing? Um, I don't know what newspaper he was going to write for. No, because there, there there's a, a spoiler which I can't tell because I, I I didn't know about it going in, and it does kind of um. Okay, uh, I think uh, okay, I think I know what you're saying. Um, okay, I mean, is it about is it about the boy or is it about the mother? It, it's not. It's about the. It's really the family sort of journey of their own self discovery. I think the story mainly. It, it's not so much. It's seemingly about the boy, yeah, but and and how he's taken into the Tui's home to become part of their family. But it's not actually about the. The focus isn't truly about him. It's more the focus is about the family's journey embracing him and what they they discover about themselves. How him being a part of their lives is what enriches enriches their life so i don't see how it's put on i personally completely disagree with you john which is unusual <laughs> but i just really feel strongly about it because i don't feel like it's put on i don't feel it out of all that i know you don't think it's particularly a sports movie but for me when you have sandra bullock like churning out her quips like minute after minute when she's sitting on the sidelines of the game and like you know banter banter back and forth with the coach you know she's out there on the field it's a sports film i know it's not just a sports film but it but it essentially is but the the bigger picture is really the drama within the story exactly yeah yeah it really really is but it's not that cliched compared to other films of that of similar nature and it's so much more superior because i think it's so much it's got so much more going for it the scripts are better written there's this the the beautifully shot the Acting is phenomenal, and and it really caters to um, Quentin Aaron, who plays Michael O'Hare, and the the children who play his, you know, adoptive siblings. I mean, it it gives these characters so much more of a richer kind of characterization than lots of these other films do. That's why I think it is a standout performance. It's a standout film because it's it doesn't feel like a TV sports movie. It feels like a proper film. I don't know. Who's the protagonist here? Does does she find him or does he get found? Who are we following at the start? I I think they find each other. I don't think it's one more than the other. Because I've I've never seen a film in my life in which... uh, I mean, I've I've never seen... Let let me rephrase that. I've never seen a film in the English language in my life in which there isn't one clear protagonist. I can honestly say that. Mm. And it does seem to be that it's her, not him, from the the trailers. And indeed, the Academy, by making her uh, an actress rather than a supporting actress, 
seem to support that reading. I think um, where you and I differ is that I didn't feel that this film um, earned it at the end. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, th- I thought it, there were people crying next to me. Um, and uh, when I sort of got up to to leave, I was thinking, okay, well, that was a relatively well-told tale, and people were very good in their particular roles. Apart from the kid, um, uh, the, the the little boy, he really oh, annoyed yeah. me. And um, I, I, what he annoyed you? What is wrong with you? Put it this Esther, way, right? Played by Jay Head. What a what an absolute marvel of a young boy. He is like Culkin, but better in terms no. of uh, feel good. <laughs> in no, terms no. of feel good. I don't mean in terms of. Um, in this film, he's like, you know, the way you have Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone, but he's kind of a bit of a cheeky get too in that film. Well, he's kind of got that energy, that enthusiasm, that cheekiness, but with a positive spin completely. There's no like uh, manipulation. There's no trying to like kind of trick anyone or do anything like that. He's got that kind of vibe. He's got that kind of energy. And he's so he's so funny and so sweet. He's just he's lovely. He's yeah. like Dennis the Menace, but nice. Yeah, he just pissed me off the whole time, I have to say. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't happy. Um, I, was, I shouldn't have been surprised that Andy uses uh, Macaulay Culkin as a kind of a benchmark for child performance. Of course, of course. <laughs> the child star of the 80s, of course. Okay, but could, Andy, um, would, would you agree with this in, in, in the same way that this is going back to the whole notion of is it a sports movie? Uh, Field of Dreams um, is not a film necessarily about baseball, is it? It's a film about this guy and his and his dad and and the journey in inverted commas that he takes to sort of find himself and and sort of get come to terms with his relationship would you say that that's the same in the same way this is a film about american football yeah it's in, yeah it's definitely in the same yeah i would say i agree okay okay cuz i think field of dreams is a sports film <laughs> I think it is. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's not only about a particular moment in sporting history refracted through, you know, uh, a fantasy. I think it's also about the transformative power of sport. Um, in that case, perhaps it, perhaps my my analogy wasn't wasn't quite so good. Anyway, basically put it this way: Aww. I didn't enjoy it that much. I thought that it was uh, it, it was a fine film, sort of catch on like a Sunday afternoon, but. Andy, I, I'm, I, I wasn't convinced by it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you liked it. Um, but uh, I don't think I'll ever be seeing it again, I have to say. Brendan, have you got any plans to see it at all? Yeah, I'll go and watch it and I'll arbitrate and uh, whatever I say goes, basically, because I'm the, I'm the decision maker here. So I feel like I've been given a lot of power by your deadlock. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay, Andy, do you have any further words about The Blind Side? Go see it. It came out today. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> to the point. <laughs> <laughs> to the point. Um... Fine, fine, fine. Okay, well, those are our two reviews uh, for today. Uh, the Blind Side is out today. Hot Tub Time Machine, uh, May the 7th, I believe. Um, just to let, let you know, in case you know you haven't been near an internet or, or um, in, in the last sort of few months, uh, Kick-Ass is actually uh, a film that's, that's released today. Um, and I would have to say, if, if it's a toss-up between Kick-Ass and The Blind Side, well, there is no, there is no choice. It has to be Kick-Ass every time. So. Blind Side! No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to edit that bit out of the podcast. There's no way I'm having the blind side coming over. That can't possibly make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the end of, of, of our review preview section. Uh, we're going to move on to a couple of points of, of quick film news now. Um, one of them is the eagerly awaited trailer for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World came online yesterday, and I believe it's being played in front of um, all of the UK screens of Kick-Ass um, as of today. Um, so... Andy, have, have you seen the trailer? I know, Brendan, you have seen the trailer. 
No, I'm afraid I haven't. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Brendan, we can um, we can sort of talk about this one. Um, did you have fun with uh, with the trailer when you saw it? Did you sort of watch it on repeat? Is that euphemism? It is. Um, <laughs> I I enjoyed the trailer quite a bit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Do I have issues with the trailer? Do you know? Yes. Okay, we'll talk about those in a second. Um, if you haven't seen the trailer, you can go um, go onto our site, or indeed any site, and, and I believe it'll kind of be playing uh, ad infinitum. Um, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World is, is the film by Edgar Wright, who was dropping little hints over Twitter in the last week that, that there would be something on the horizon, and we all guessed it, w- it would be a trailer. Um, it was then revealed um, that it would, in fact, play in front of Kick-Ass, and then I believe that, that revelation led um, Edgar Wright and the studios sort of put it out a little bit earlier on on the on the internet um it kind of caused a bit of a geek meltdown uh, across the world um if you haven't seen it yet then then do check it out because i've i've not read scott pilgrim um and i don't know the source material at all but this film uh as if, if it lives up to the trailer it's going to be one of the best films out this year brendan you said you enjoyed it did you have issues with is it with the casting or with the the, the few bits that you saw in terms of special effects well, we can't really judge the cast on this. Um, no, but some, some people have said that, and, and this is people who have read the book, They, of course they would go through it absolutely endlessly and say Michael Sarah was a bad choice in the first place and nothing in these in these few lines convinces me that he's going to be any good for Scott, that sort of thing. Of course, yeah. But do you know what? It's not up to them what Scott's like in the film. It's up to Edgar Wright and Michael Sarah what Scott's like in the film. And I will judge Scott when I see the movie. I don't care if he's the Scott from the comic books or not. I don't. I don't I'm not upset because he isn't. Mm. I'm not upset. I, you know, and neither am I jubilant because I feel that he is. I just don't know. It's got to work um, in the film, isn't it? Uh, yeah, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I'll know when I see the picture. He's a little different in the sense that. I don't think most people would have projected uh, a Michael, Michael Sarah style onto the character because Michael Sarah is so specific and he is still, you know, falling in a similar wheelhouse. But, but you know, you can't judge, you can't judge how you're going to feel about the character from, from 83 seconds. It's just, it's just not going to happen. But okay, let's just assume Scott Pilgrim in the film is nothing like Scott Pilgrim in the comic. Whatever. So what were your issues with the trailer then? A few purist things. There were some sort of issues with a couple of the compositions, and I, I don't like these these comic book sound effect images. Uh, you know, like the whoop and the whoosh and the crowd in, in the style of the sixties Batman. Sure. Um, I don't like them because because I know there's going to be a lot of them, and I know that th- there's a major problem with them. Really, uh, if you look at the, the the shot where Pilgrim gets thrown through the air and it says like whoosh or whatever. Um, what happens is you want to be tracking his trajectory as he's thrown. You want to be eye-tracking with that for the next shot to make sense. But as he goes, you've got this sort of animation of this this text appearing, sort of wiping into sort of opacity, if you know what I mean. It becomes sort of like, it sort of appears, it becomes solid in front of you, and that tracks your eye. Um, I'd be very surprised if it doesn't screw up the edit into the next cut. So I, I, think, I think thinking about like, oh, how do you get this film to go together and work... I really hope they found some way of doing it, but all indications are that they've sold smoothness and fluidity down the river a little bit for a stylistic trick. Okay, I said, I, like I said, I, I've not read the um, not read the comics, but I was really impressed with with the trailer. I, d- I didn't particularly mind the, the whole comic book uh, lettering that sort of appears on screen with every punch or with every kick or whatever. Um, it seemed to be 
uh, obviously because he's being put in front of kickoff seems to cater particularly well for the for the people who are already aware of it and already looking forward to it i have no idea how um how they're going to sort of make it appeal to a wider market but um as a first trailer as a teaser i think it did his job really really well and um the uh, the internet would agree with me i think um you know, having a having a look at Twitter and uh, and Facebook on um, just a few hours after the release of the trailer. So, um, if you haven't seen it, then, then do go Blimey. check it out. A few seconds after it was trending uh, uh, fourth position on the Twitter trends chart, I yeah, mean, it was literally within two minutes. And I mean, that's obviously because the the market that it was going for would be on the internet and would probably be waiting for it. But um, I have to say that I am very very much looking forward to the film. Uh, I have no idea when it's going to be out. I don't think it's even finished yet. But um, August thirteenth. Oh, there you go. Um, in fact, it may even be slightly earlier in the UK. Um, but August thirteenth, um, US. Okay, that sounds great. Andy, uh, I don't know if you've heard about Scott Pilgrim or are, are you a fan of Edgar Wright? Are you looking forward to this one? Um, I'm. I'm always looking forward to checking out new films. I hadn't really thought about this one in particular very much, to be perfectly honest, but. I'll give it a while, definitely. Go and check out the trailer and just kind of see what you think because it's a trailer that, that that's very knowing of its uh, of, of its roots and I don't know if if you're not particularly into comic books or you're not particularly in, in, into the into the the character of Scott Pilgrim, then I'm not sure how it would play to someone who had no had no sort of preconception of it. But, it but the first thirty seconds, I think it's kind of a, got a five hundred days of summer sort of vibe. Exactly the film that was in my head. Exactly, and, and, and I know that a lot of places like Sydney World and View and so on in their sort of marketing the fact that they're hosting the trailer as well. They've said uh, stick with it. It changes after about thirty seconds. So stick with it like five hundred days. <laughs> real long. But it's like five hundred days of summer turns into thirty eight chambers of Shaolin basically. <laughs> so I think we should call it um, five hundred days of Shaolin. Okay, <laughs> they can have that for the poster if they want. Nice one. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, that's the trade of Scott Pilgrim. Like I said, check it out on the site and let us know what you think of it as well, even though you probably told Twitter and the rest of the world what you think of it. Um, the next bit of news is something that we're looking forward to. Um, Cannes Film Festival happening in May of this year. And uh, Brendan, you said you wanted to talk about this um, a little bit in terms of what films are potentially going to be shown there. We've got a bit of news today about which film is going to open it. Do you want to take this one? Well, yeah, when I first emailed you about that, it hadn't been confirmed that Robin Hood was going to open it. It had been right. rumoured, and I'd reported the rumour, and then it became confirmed. I thought, oh, where's the fun in that? Do you know what I mean? Let the rumour hang around for a bit, at least. Exactly, so, yeah. uh, Ridley Scott's Robin Hood is going to be the evening night gala, and that makes a lot of sense. If you look at the way Cannes has been going for a few years, Up opened the festival last year. It's normally a big... Uh, mainstream studio picture that that opens because you know they can appeal to a wide audience let's just put it like that Woody Allen's Tall Dark Stranger seems to be pretty much a guarantee um, and it's one of his comedies and it's got Josh Brolin and, and Naomi Watson and Anthony Hopkins and I, I'm not, I've never spoken to you about Woody Allen before uh, are you a, a fan of his yeah I don't think he ever makes a bad film I think that some of his films are, are pretty dull um, I guess that is bad, isn't it? I mean, not, not, I mean, I guess none of his films are sort of like out and out bad across all, all levels. I think a few of them have been a bit dull. A few of them have been a bit familiar, particularly for people who've been sticking with him all the way. Sure. And there have been some failed experiments too. But I want to see every Woody Allen film. When there's a Woody Allen film on, I will go, I will watch, but, you know, I try to see as much as I can. But I'm particularly excited by his stuff, I think. Um, I'd, I'd put him in the upper half of, of the roster. Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a big, big fan. And um, I was in Paris 
however many years ago it was, um, and Matchpoint was playing, I believe, uh, around the same time as Star Wars Episode Three, and um, uh, it may not be Matchpoint, it may be another one, but there was definitely Woody Allen from going up against this this Star Wars film, and this was like a couple of weeks after it had been released, and I was walking along. Um, the main cinema street, which I can't remember the name of now in Paris, and I was seeing queues for Woody Allen films and just an open door for Star Wars, so that, that kind of made what? me smile. In France? In you Paris, know. yeah, exactly. So that seems like a perfect place for um, for, for Woody. They Woody. love him. I, I think no matter what he does, he's always going to have a, a place at Cannes. Uh, again, I think like Quentin Tarantino's not one of those, but he hasn't got a film this year, so I don't know why I'm even bringing it up. Um, Rumoured, and not guaranteed, are, are a couple of interesting films. Root Irish uh, from Ken Loach, um, I found out today, is yeah. pretty much expected to be in competition. And it's an Iraq movie from Ken Loach. And I think people have been avoiding movies about the Iraq conflict, but uh, the audience who would typically go to a Loach movie aren't going to be resistant. So I don't think it's going to cost him any box office. I think it's going to play at his normal level. And another rumoured film is a film called Ned, which is Peter Mullen's uh, first uh, film as a director for a good few years now, and his film Orphans went down pretty well at Cannes. Um, but there's a, you know there's a there's a bunch of other um, uh, uh, movies rumored, but I think we're pretty close to a to an official announcement. It's just I'm quite excited about Robin Hood. Are you? I'm, I have to say that I'm nothing that I've seen of it makes me think that's the film, the kind of film that I want to go and see. Um, maybe it's Gladiator. Maybe it's um, Russell Crowe, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't remember. I thought Gladiator was, 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 was an okay film, but it didn't, you know, rock my world like it did a few other people. Andy, what about you? Ridley Scott, Russell Crowe, Robin Hood. Are you up for it? Um, Russell Crowe is in it. That's hot. That's all I need to know. <laughs> okay. See, I don't like him. I don't. Like matter. Him. He's hot. What about in LA Confidential? In particular, I don't like him in LA Confidential. Actually. Okay. Uh, I don't like him. I don't like him. But uh, I'm okay, you know. I'm not that fussed by. I mean, there's a lot of actors I don't like. There's a lot of actors I do like, but there's a lot more to a film than than who the meat puppets are. So I'll, I'll, I'll is it more really I'll Scott you're... feeling optimistic? I do like Scott. I like him a lot. I think he's made some great films, you know, in his career, and I think he's done fairly well recently. And I think Gladiator is okay. Again, it was quite boring, and it was definitely over long. But but um, there were a number of successes to that film. A number of things it did very right. What I like is the fact that they got Tom Stoppard in doing rewrites on on set. Um, and normally that's not like absolute panic stations, but it's like, no, it's never too late for Stoppard. I love Stoppard. Um, I'm, I'm hoping he'll actually send me some of his shopping lists because I've pretty much, you know, run out of other Stoppard things to, to read. Excellent. Okay, well, I mean, um, Andy, you're, you're certainly going to be looking forward to Robin Hood then. Um, if there is any official announcement, or rather when there's an official announcement on, on, on the can lineup, we will certainly bring it to you because that's going to be a pretty exciting festival. So um, that's going to round us off for our news. Now it brings us to our final part, which is the second week in a row that we've done this. That kind of marks a new a new beginning for the, for the podcast. We have a running feature now. Um, as yet untitled, this section is uh, going to be about when the three of us uh, talk about a film that we particularly enjoyed um, and it may be one that you haven't caught up with yet or so we're going to talk about it and then uh, on the um, on the post on the site for the podcast I'll put in a few video clips and uh, potentially links about where to find it so I went first last week Brandon please tell me this is not Blood Card 2 that you're going to bring up I wish it was no actually I don't because what I'm about to bring up is a fine fine film uh, and if anybody's seen it um, I'll give them a kiss it's a version of Dante's Inferno called Dante's Inferno 
directed by Sean Meredith and out in the year 2007. Now, it stars uh, Dermot Mulroney and James Cromwell, and they're quite big actors, but we don't get to see them. It's just their voices. But hang on a minute. This isn't an animated film. What's going on? It's done in the style of Victorian toy theatre. It's paper cutouts. It's of a great skill, craft, and imagination. And it's a sort of a modern-day retelling of, of, uh, of the Inferno section of the Divine Comedy. And it's very satirical, very political, very witty. And there is so much clever staging um, and, and incredibly smart ways of using the limitations of the paper cutouts to the film's benefit rather than against it. Um, it's very, very highly recommended. It's the only feature-length film by Sean Meredith so far. He um, he made a short called called Smoke and Fog before. They're both available on um, on DVD. I would recommend people check them both out, but really, you need to look at the trailer for this, and, and you'll know pretty much straight away that you need to see it. It's something special. Okay, and I'll, I'll definitely put the uh, put the trailer up uh, on the post. Brendan, I love I love Dante's Inferno. I, I, that's one of my you know just classic works of, of literature. And yeah, Victorian toy paper theatre thing that just turns me off completely. Is it worth Is it worth me putting my prejudice aside and uh, and going to check it out? Of course, it's worth putting your prejudice aside. Of course, it is. <laughs> it's terrible. It's, it's, it's the best film of the Inferno yet made. Easily, it's it's the best uh, reimagining of the Inferno that I've come across, um, and it tells the essential truth of that storyline applied to uh, a more contemporary point of view. It's wonderful. Okay, well, you have kind of convinced me, Andy. Are you going to check that one out? Oh, definitely. Sounds really good. Okay, Brendan, you say it's available on DVD, yeah? Sure is. Okay, nice one. I'll put a I'll put a link to that on the post. That's a nice uh, esoteric one from me. That's excellent. Just the kind of thing we're looking forward to. Um, I'm trying to do, John. That's exactly. What I'm to do. Spread the love. Okay, um, Andy, you go for your one. Um, well, in the spirit of hot tub time machine, because you know how much I love John Cusack, I figured. You know what? I don't know if everybody's seen this film, and it's a, it's a, it's an old one of his, but um, tape heads. 1988 <laughs> um, I really, really like this film. It reunites uh, Tim Robbins and John Cusack together. For those who've seen High Fidelity, they know they've worked together a couple of times. Maybe even a third. I'm not 100% sure about that. But yes, yeah, so it's Tim Robbins, John Cusack, 1988 film. Probably dirt cheap on DVD. You're not going to struggle to find it. It's just about a couple of guys, like Best Buds, who, uh, you know, they love... They, they're struggling with the jobs that they're doing and they, and they just want to go out and make their own videos and music videos and it's really just a very simple storyline it's not it's nothing crazy you know intellectually stimulating but they're just they just want to go and pursue their dream of making music videos and it's just the shenanigans and mishaps and and adventures along the way to to see what happens to them and they get into a little bit of trouble unbeknownst to them they get caught up in a little bit of a scandal and it all kind of unfolds but it's got some really funky music um just really a little bit offbeat the humor it's not it's not that typical it's not it's a bit a bit broad it's um almost slapstick as well which is kind of nice it's, it's different black humorish you know but um i think people will enjoy it it's again don't expect a whole bunch of uh deep meaningful uh storylines but it you just get to see the two guys play uh, such offbeat roles that 
if you love the 80s, you'll definitely love the film. It's not mainstream. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think it's kind of like a cult comedy. You either love it or you hate it, and I, partic- I just really enjoyed it. I used to live one block away from the Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles that appeared. No! Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Cool. Brendan, I take it then that you've seen the film. Uh, indeed I have, yeah. And enjoyed it? I've actually got a copy here right now. Wow, no. that's pretty cool. I, I've not seen Andy. Next time we meet up, bring it along okay. so I can have a, I can have a, a watch. But that sounds grand. Okay, for those of you who aren't going to meet up with Andy next time and get her copy, um, I'll definitely put a trailer and a link for you to buy that um, to buy tape heads uh, on the post for this uh, for this podcast when it goes out. Andy, that's great. Really good pick. Exactly the kind of thing that we're looking for. I've never seen it. I'd never even heard of it until you until you mentioned it. So, and um, you get Tim Robbins as well. And I, yeah, I like Tim Robbins, and I'm kind of getting around to John Cusack. I'm oh. telling you, Robbins handshake that is the firmest, most powerful handshake on earth. <laughs> what is was it? that massive? Like like rock? Is it like He Man? It's astonishing. It's like it's like He Man ate He Man and some raw <laughs> eggs and did press ups. That's what it's like. <laughs> Okay, on that surreal note, I think we'll move on. Um, <laughs> film that I've chosen to talk about today is one that is, uh, it's only been out for a very short amount of time. Um, and the good thing about this film is that even if uh, you've never heard of it, you can actually go and check it out the second that you finish listening to this podcast. Um, it's a 31 minute short film. It was directed by Spike Jones and it's been released on the internet in the last month. It's called I'm Here. Um, and it is, it's in a collaboration with, uh, with a vodka company, which I'm not going to name. Um, but there's no obvious advertising uh, in it. It's a really, really simple, sweet story of two robots falling in love. Aww. Uh, and, uh, I, I seriously do not want to say any more about it because if you've seen any of Spike Jones' films, um, and in particular where the wild things are, which for me was one of my favorite films of of last year it was really really beautiful magical film um this i think he did it straight after um it kind of continues that flow he brings the the surreal and the real uh, into the same space particularly well it begins um almost a bit like a like a david lynch film there's the the very mundane contrasted sharply with the very violent and it's um it's got really really fantastic music throughout the whole thing andrew garfield is the guy who plays um the main the main character i saw him in in parnassus and um i believe he's in another couple of films that are coming up that whose names escape me but um, never let me go that's it that's the one he's that also in the of. red riding films okay and he is i love him he's i, uh, I love john yeah i love him i take it then that you've seen i'm here i have indeed yeah and did you enjoy it I loved it. Um, I think it perfected something that Jones tried and didn't quite get right with his Daft Punk video, Daft Punk. Okay, and what's that? It's this, it's this sense of um, personal alienation and trying to connect to another person when you feel that you're a, a remove from society. And it's a way of doing that through... Uh, visually realising or in the narrative creating a reason for the person to to be removed either they're a robot or they're a dog man right sure so he's created this sort of um, this this world in which our sort of alienation is, is manifest um, or, or to look at it from the opposite side which I guess is what you'd rather us do these people are alienated and that there are alienated people and he has been sympathetic to them. Um, it's interesting that he identifies with these, you know, a sort of a multimillionaire uh, heir 
um, before he even got into uh, directing videos, um, and, and now one of the most lauded uh, music video commercial and film uh, makers of, of our times. It's, it's, it's. I tell you what, it's nice to know that he still feels this way, <laughs> and I don't want him to feel bad. But it's nice to know he's not just turned into a rough edges. Yeah, I have to say that I'm a big, big fan of his work, and I have been, uh, you know, for a long time. Weather Wild Things, I kind of catapulted him in my, in my esteem. I absolutely adored that film, and if I could recommend two films, it would be that one as well as this one. But I'm here. That, um, um, that rare unknown obscurity. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's not. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, just because I, I loved it so much that I'd be willing to push it to anybody at any time. But but I'm here is is, is the film that I that I've chosen simply because um, it doesn't have. Um, it got premiered, I think, at Sundance, and um, I'm not sure if it's being picked up in the States for theatrical release. I know it did show a couple of times in special screenings around here in the UK, but it's available for free, um, and and you can go and see it on. Uh, it's I'm here movie.com and I believe that there are a limited number of viewings that you can see every every single day but in any given session yeah, yeah. Um, um, but there are ways around that and if people start looking and yeah. googling on the internet they'll find their way around and it, it's really worth it because I have to say that, that the whole experience of of putting it on the website is um is really really interesting it has a really uh, unique feel to it I loved every single moment I spent on that website and the film for me because I, I saw the trailer and I loved loved the trailer and I wanted to push it as much as possible and when I finally got down to sit down to watch the film I was just mesmerised it was a really really beautiful film and I loved I'm not going to give anything away but I loved the ending shot it was just it was absolutely perfect in the same way that the ending to Where the Wild Things Are was you know the perfect perfect cadence for the film I, I'm here ends in a, just a, a really beautiful way so I can't recommend it highly enough um, uh, and, and Brendan I'm sure is the same Andy have you heard about this have you seen it at all no I've never heard of it but it sounds really fascinating actually it sounds brilliant if you see any any of the screenshots that, that we put up or watch the trailer it, uh, the, the actual visual style of it jars because you have these old style computer boxes as, as heads and it does look a bit odd and it does look a bit strange, but as soon as you get into it, as soon as you start to sort of realise the characters behind it, you listen to the dialogue and you get caught up in it, um, it kind of just goes away. And it, it's um, you you so rarely see works like this, you know, in the cinema, and it's just so it's just so beautiful. So so do check do check it out um, uh, whenever you can. So. Okay, uh, that's it for today. Next week we'll be looking at Clash of the Titans, which uh, we are looking forward to. Andy, you're a big fan of the original, am I right? Um, yeah, Harry Hamlin, uh, Pegasus, uh, the little uh, golden owl from the yeah, original. Yeah. I absolutely can't wait to see the next version of it. Are you, are you looking forward to the remake? Yeah, I am, yeah. It's one of the few films I don't mind it being remade, so I'm really hoping it's good. Is that because of the uh, the effects angle, or do you just think that these stories being myths kind of just bear repeating? Um, no, I just, I don't know, I'm just intrigued to see what they can do with the effects today. I mean, I'm a real big fan of the old style of special effects that they did in Jason and the Argonauts and Clash of the Titans, the original. Yeah, yeah. So I really like that style of special effects, but I'm curious to see how they can sort of bring it to life in a different manner. I mean... You know, I love the original, so whatever happens, I've always got that to fall back on. But it'll be interesting to see how new audiences take to this remake if they've never seen the original as well. So, fingers crossed it's good. Fingers crossed it's good. We're actually seeing it next week, so we'll be able to bring you all of the... uh 
all of the um, the interesting stuff out of there. So that's great. Thanks so much for your time, Andy and Brendan. Uh, Andy, you can find writing for us. We're at www.heyyouguys.co.uk. Our Twitter is HeyYouGuysBlog, and you can also follow us on Facebook and all the rest of it. So do, do check us out. You can also find everything Brendan Connolly does at SlashFilm.com. In particular, check out SlashFilmUK. That's his weekly column on Friday. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll see you again next week. 